This is episode two of the subarachnoid survivor, the musings, my thoughts about my brain injury and um, my good fortune at being a brain hemorrhage survivor. Episode two talks about the incident itself, uh, what sort of happened and what went on that day. This one may be a little bit longer episode, and for some of my family members, this is fairly emotional stuff, so I apologize and warn in advance that some of this might be um, emotionally fraught for those people who know me and who were uh, obviously personally involved. We're at the cottage, as I explained in episode one. We're down in the boathouse. It's lovely. It's Tuesday, uh, late in August, and uh, my girlfriend and I are busy that day. The kids are running around. I don't know, they were hunting through the grass and climbing trees and jumping in the lake and doing stuff that kids do. Um, but my girlfriend and I went out that morning. It was quite windy, and we went for a canoe paddle kind of around the back end of the lake and uh, got home, had some lunch with everybody else, and then took a little walk. It was very pleasant. It was quite mild, uh, despite the wind, and just a flat walk around the back end of the bay, took some pictures actually from the other side of the bay towards the cottage. We got back and it was later in the afternoon and I felt like I might take a nap. My girlfriend took a shower and as she came out, or right around that time, I got the most extreme headache I'd ever had in my entire life. And I don't get a lot of headaches. It felt like somebody had taken a red hot hand and run it up the back of my head and was squeezing my brain with all their might. It was excruciating. My girlfriend is a nurse, thank God, and she said, something's wrong. I said, yeah, this is, you know, this is not good. So we went through a stroke check. We thought, ah, maybe I'm having a stroke. Nope. Uh, I could speak. I could, you know, my hands were steady, all the, no droopiness. Um, my motor skills were fine. And then I blew a sweat like I've never had before. Uh, water was, sweat was running off me in little rivulets. And my girlfriend said, yeah, that's it. You're going to the hospital. We're up north. We're at a cottage. So she yells in the boathouse to her son. And, and he is told to run up to the cottage and to get an ambulance and for it to come right away and for the rest of my family to uh, help guide the attendants down to the boathouse. He does so, and the ambulance comes back very quickly, uh, within 10 minutes, and the whole time I am in agony. This is just killing me. So uh, at this point, uh, my girlfriend and I are told by the ambulance guys, well, you know, uh, it could be just a migraine, you know, you don't have to go to the hospital. And not for the first time, she says, no, she takes charge, we're going to the hospital. So, thank goodness she does. Um, I uh, throw, I, I don't remember whether I had like a sweater or maybe a blanket on, I, I put something on and sort of was able to shamble slowly towards the cart. They couldn't get the stretcher through the little narrow hallways of the boathouse, uh, but I was able to get to the bottom of the driveway, and all my family are lining the walkway and wishing me good luck and, and saying that things are going to be okay. And I get in the ambulance, and I have some memory of that drive, but even then, things get hazy. 
we get to the Bracebridge Hospital, uh, kind of early evening, I guess, on a Tuesday night. It turns out later there is one doctor in the whole place, and the triage nurse doesn't quite get the message, and she marks down neck and back pain and promptly puts us in the bandaging, like a casting room. So the casting room is cold. It has a motion sensor light, so my girlfriend spends half the time uh, waving at the light to get it to turn back on again. I am fading out in and out at this point of consciousness, and we spend two hours <laughs> waiting for the, for the doctor. There's one doctor. He thinks it's neck and back pain. Finally, he shows up and says, okay, uh, you know, listen, you seem to be having this neck and back pain. And my girlfriend says, stop. You're not paying attention. Listen to what I'm telling you about how this injury happened. And he stops and he listens and he's like, oh, okay, maybe we should go get you a CT scan. So we trundle me off down the hall. I have no memory of any of this. He takes one look at the finished result of the CT and says, oh my God, we've got to get you downtown Toronto right away. So in the intervening hours, a big storm has blown up in the Muskokas and it is thunder and lightning and wind. There is there is no way they're taking me out on an air ambulance, which is what they want to do. But within minutes of sending out the results, St. Michael's Hospital in downtown Toronto says, we will see him now. We will see him as fast as you can get him here. Well, uh, unfortunately, that uh, isn't going to happen with an air ambulance. So they put me in a regular ambulance, and for whatever reason, my girlfriend can't come with me. They shut the doors. Only after the emergency nurse is told that she's going with me. And she's not very happy about this because there's not a lot of emergency nurses. She's not thrilled about the idea of having to get back from Toronto. Um, But she's also worried about leaving the rest of the team short-staffed. She's told to go. And I gather she then spends, you know, a couple of minutes throwing just about every medication off of a crash cart into a big plastic, like, Loblaw shopping bag to take with us with this guy who, at this point, you know, my girlfriend thinks is probably dying. Um, So she probably, the nurse that's going with me, probably thinks the same thing. I'm wheeled into the ambulance. They close the doors. The nurse goes in it. I have no memory of that trip. Meanwhile, my girlfriend is uh, getting into a car that my family dropped off at the hospital. It's late now, but she desperately wants to get downtown uh, to be with me And so she's going to go back to the cottage, kind of grab a coffee, let them know what's going on, get herself settled, and then drive down to to be with me. She gets to the cottage, and my mom and my younger sister, and I guess maybe some others, are up. But my girlfriend says, okay, I'm grabbing a coffee, I'm leaving. And my younger sister says, no, you're not. And every time I tell this story, it busts me up. She says, no, you're not. I'm going with you. And they debate about it for a minute, but my younger sister will not say, you know, that she's not going. So fortunately, my girlfriend says, okay, let's go. And they both hop in the car. 
I will share the story of that drive and my arrival at the hospital in episode three. So I hope you've enjoyed episode two, and I will be back with you soon.